Today's Stripe Show podcast is brought to you by About Golf Simulators. It's Tuesday afternoon. It's time for the Stripe Show pod. So good afternoon, fans of Travis Folden and Keith Stewart. That's me. I'm your host for this afternoon. My man, Travis, he's traveling, doing a little family trip up to Seattle. It's all social media this weekend. He's at the Mariners game. He's at the Seahawks game. Who knows? Maybe he was at the uh, Microsoft factory. You never know. Climb Mount Rainier. It's Travis. I mean, he could be up to anything. You know that. You know what I'm up to? I am up to my years in the PGA Tour because after an extensive and exaggerated, a super long two-week offseason, yeah, that's right, we are back with the Fortinet Championship. But before I get into all of that, i got to talk a little Ryder Cup for a minute, you know, because... There's a big discussion around this practice round trip that took place over there in Rome a couple of days ago. Um, had the opportunity to speak to some people that were there on the vice captain's side and get a little feedback on what they saw and what we're doing to prepare uh, outside of the celebration and the fun that they had around watching the Texas-Alabama game. And you can imagine who that was because the game took place in the middle of the night. So, you know, those guys were having some fun with that. Uh, probably plenty of wine. So I guess Max and JT are ready for this week in Napa. And there was the golf course. So there's some unique things going on with this Ryder Cup that, uh, well, I guess after the Golf National, we shouldn't be too surprised about. The first thing is, is that they're growing rough everywhere. They're growing it almost, it seems like, in the fairway. I mean, legitimately, they're talking about major championship, U.S. Open, deep, thick, gnarly stuff. And where they don't have the rough... They have past Palum grass there at Marcus Simone. So these par fives, which they're saying are going to need to be one with Eagles, par fours, some of them are reachable, and some of them are super long. And when it comes down to it, the par threes, difficult, but scorable. We're going to see a lot of birdies, I think, at this here match play contest, this exhibition of sorts. And, of course, I hope everyone is ready, which you know brings me probably to one of my first conversations of the day with myself today since Travis is en route to Jacksonville, coming down from the uh, great Northwest. And that is, do you think it's okay that only two of our guys are playing this week in a PGA Tour event while all 12 of Team Europe are competing over there at the BMW PGA Championship, one of the flagship events for the DP World Tour? I mean, all 12 guys. The pairings came out this morning. They have... Exactly. All of those guys, all 12 of them paired up in four threesomes. Who knows if these are some of the pairings or whatever, but I mean, it would make sense that Luke Donald and his team of vice captains have put together just a series of events all weeks, whether they be dinners or just building camaraderie, um, how these guys are going to play together. Tough golf course there that they're competing on this week at the BMW PGA. Ah, man, I just wish more guys on our side were playing. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, is it wrong for us to have more vice captains playing than actual players on the team? Because we got Wed Simpson, Stuart Sink, who won here a couple of years ago, and Zach Johnson. Of course, JT and Max Homa lead the list for Team USA on the only ones that are there. Um, a lot of speculation around JT. And, of course, Max is the two-time defending champion here at the Fortinet Championship as we restart the PGA Tour season. A um, lot to unpack there because, like, Let's talk about the upside or downside for JT. Well, you know what? First of all, let's introduce the golf course a little bit. We're at Silverado Resort and Spa and the North Course there. 
We've seen it many times before. I think this is the 17th year that we have now seen this course used for what was the fries.com, the Safeway, and is now the Fortinet. And has been the start of the PGA Tour season, which we're not really sure where all that is going at the moment. But there's seven events this fall, and this kicks it off, and it's the only one in September. Still two more weeks to the Ryder Cup, if you can believe it. With all this buildup to the Ryder Cup, we still have two more weeks. But JT's got to test his game because he hasn't played since the Wyndham. And he's competing against the likes of Zach Johnson. It's not the strongest field in the world. There's no doubt about that. Just a couple guys inside even the the top 30 in the world ranking. I think there's seven guys in the top 70. So um, not necessarily a deep field of 156. Top 65 and ties make the cut for the weekend. $8.4 million purse, $1.5 million for first. Um, pretty standard second-tier PGA Tour event. Uh, wine Country, I think, brings out a certain number of guys that like to play there year after year. But overall, um, really the conversation goes back to JT. What's the upside here? Well, the Fortnite Championship or this North Course here at the Silverado Resort is tight. So if Marcus Simone is tight, it's tight. So Max and JT get a little preview of what they're going to see in two weeks. Another reason why I would have loved to have seen a couple more Ryder Cup guys teed up here. Maybe just the California guys. It's not far away. Same time zone. And I know they were in Italy just a couple of days ago, and they were looking at deep rough. They were looking at narrow fairways. They were looking at super, super tight past Palum chipping areas in and around the green. Uh, green complexes, pretty intricate. But this is a mainstay on the DP World Tour, the Italian Open. And they've got two guys on their team that have actually won the event in the last three years. Apologies to Adrian Moronk and all of his lack of punctuation. He didn't make the cut. But the 12 guys that did are familiar with this golf course for the most part. You know, maybe not Ludwig Aberg, but for the rest of for the rest of those guys, they knew that this Ryder Cup was there and they've been preparing and they're all preparing all 12 of them this week in England while our guys are all over the country. So I... For me, to get off this Ryder Cup subject and get more into the Max and the JT and the odds board here at the Fortinet and what it's going to take to win, oh, man, I just wish there was more than Webb Simpson, Stuart Sink, and Zach Johnson from the Ryder Cup squad, along with the two at the top uh, of the odds board, which is where we'll get started in a second, uh, competing this week. It's, uh, it's tough, you know. And speaking of the competition this week, there's a reason they go to Napa this time of year. The weather's beautiful. Weather's going to top out at 80 degrees, bottom out at 50 degrees at night. Perfect for growing grapes. That contrast in temperature really, <clears throat> really seems to stimulate the soil. And I'm, I'm not a big wine guy, but, uh, you know, overall, the, the, the excuse me, the uh, soil is dry. The ground conditions are perfect. You know, they had a tough winter and it was long. It was wet. But, you know, I mean, it's been a perfect summer. The golf course is going to be in great shape. Things are going to be moving firm and fast, and these guys are going to be competing on, you know, smaller than average size greens at 5,400 square feet. Poa, bent grass blend, you know, the poa grass that we type, we tend to see out there in California. And of course, we're going to see a little bit of rough there, but more it's the trees that frame the fairways. There's only water comes into play on two holes, and those are both par threes, which brings up the fact that. We start talking about the golf course itself and the scorecard. There's been a little manipulation by the PGA Tour. Maybe it was the tournament organizers. But I think they've created a much more engaging finale coming for each round, at least over the weekend, where if you start on the first hole over the course of your last seven holes, you're going to play the signature 11th hole as the 17th hole. 
Um, nice little par three over water. Three of the last seven holes are par fives. That's going to lead to some scoring volatility. These are reachable par fives. So what do they do to the scorecard? Well, they move some things around. The par 72, 7,123-yard course or layout, they move 10 of the holes. So as we go through this, you're going to go one through seven. And then instead of the eighth hole, they're going to play holes 12 through, let me just make sure I get this right, 12 through 17. So that gets you through the 13th hole. And the 14th hole, we start with holes 8, 9, 10, and 11. That gets you to 17. And then we're going to wrap things up with the 18th hole, the par 5, that we're used to seeing there that guys are scoring on, making eagles, making birdies, or having a little bit of trouble over the years, which caused some playoffs. But it, overall, uh, I, I think the changes that they've made to the 10 holes and a little bit of the rerouting is going to add to some of the excitement. Um, they're still playing the same 18 holes, though. So the skill set that's involved here um, pretty much is going to be the same as what we have seen in order to contend and get there, you know, to those final groups on a Sunday afternoon that we've learned to expect over at least the last 10, if not the full 17 years that we've watched this tournament take place. You know, scoring average score over the last five years, winning here, I think is 17.4 under, so 17 under par, almost 18 under par. Got to make some birdies. Cut line sat just at about two under par. So that kind of disparity between, you know, where the guys are winning and where the cut line is goes to show you that you can make some bogeys here too. A two under cut line on what people perceive to be somewhat of a birdie fest or on a short golf course where it's a par 72, it's 7,100 yards. That's super short by PGA Tour standards is definitely challenging these guys. One of the unique things though, and one of the kind of ironies of this event is that it is tight, but when things measure out and you look by the end of the week, missing the fairway doesn't have nearly the penalty that it does at some of these other golf courses. So that's my first skill set to start with. And when we go to the top of the board, and the favorite this week is Max Homa, of course. He's won it two years in a row. I mean, even though Danny Willett handed it to him last year, you have to admit, Max put him in a position, put himself in a position to defend. He did it successfully, and now he's going for three in a row. Last guy for three in a row was Stricker around 2010 at the John Deere. So it's been a long time since somebody's won the same PGA Tour event three years in a row. And when you start to talk about getting the ball and play off the tee or just straight ball striking, but off the tee, uh, I think there's a real advantage with some length or some power. Um, near the top of the odds board, you've got guys, like I said, Max Home is your favorite. Justin Thomas, plus 1,600. Uh, Sahith Thagala had a little abrupt end to his season at the BMW. Saw him there uh, emotionally tested, that's for sure. Um, not making it through, missing the cut just by just by the slimmest of margins. Cam Davis, Steven Yeager, Bo Hostler. Bo, Bo Hostler? Man, this field, Eric Cole, J.J. Spawn, Andrew Putnam. Those are some names near the top of the board. And what we're looking for, in my opinion, is, and when I'm doing my research for Read the Line, I am looking for certainly guys that are great off the tee, have some length. Look at our last couple champions. Homa moves the ball. Stuart Sink, he can move the ball. Uh, Cam Champ, think about that. Kevin Tway, all of these guys have power. And without the penalty necessary in order to kind of reel them back for position golf, they're going to be hitting the ball as far as they can. So when I get to the top of the board, uh, after the conversation about Homa and Thomas, I mean, who up there is a bomber that's been in great form? In my opinion, my eyes are drawn right to Cam Davis. And at plus 2,200, he's definitely somebody I'd like to start my card with. 
There's no doubt about that. I mean, you think about it, in his last four starts, he's had three top tens. The only one that wasn't a top 10 was the BMW, but I raise that point because he's one of only six players in a 156-man field that even played in the FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, we talk and joke about the two weeks off since the Tour Championship, but there's only one guy from the Tour Championship, Max, that's had two weeks off. Everybody else, I mean, JT, he's been done since the Wyndham. This is like six, seven weeks ago for most of these guys. So there has been a layoff, and I like to favor at the top of the board somebody who has been playing some serious golf. And, of course, Cam is one of those guys. The ball striking fits there. He's played the golf course before. He's competed there in the Fortinet. So at the top of the board for me, without Travis to, uh, I don't know, second-guess me in any way or give me some other alternative, I'm going hard with Cam Davis at the start of my card. That's for sure. And, you know, as we go a little bit further down, why not Jaeger? Not sure it's his time to win. Sahith, the, I mean, the putter, if we're going all putter, by all means. Thigala. California, certainly Pepperdine grad. I mean, the the, the whole storyline, the narrative fits there. But I, I just need for his ball striking to be a little bit more consistent before we're going to start consistently picking him to win. Hack Motion is an innovative wrist analysis sensor and app that measures players' wrist and hand movement in the golf swing. With audio feedback and different drill modes, it offers the capability to improve players' wrist mechanics in the golf swing to provide a better club face control and impact position. Hack motion can be used for both full swing and putting to cover all golf shots. Hack motion is used by some of the top golf coaches today around the world. Visit hackmotion.com. Now the other guys at the top JT is JT going to win this thing. I mean, quite honestly, He's played there five times before. He's got three top eight finishes. He's familiar with the golf course. He's comfortable with the golf course. Maybe he likes a lot of wine. Don't know if he had a bunch during the Alabama game with his Texas buddies. Didn't work out for him. But at the end of the day, he's Italy. He's here. He's playing alongside Zach. Pros and cons of JT this week. Con, the odds are way too low considering his recent form. Uh, Pro, you know what? He was playing under a lot of pressure at the end of the season. Things didn't go. Things did not go his way at the Wyndham. He did not get in the playoffs. He's had the same time off that everybody else in this field has had, except for the six that played in the playoffs. So JT's had a huge layoff to work on his game. We've seen the pool noodles. We've seen everything else. Um, at the end of the day, I, I I think when guys like that are putting stuff like that out there, he doesn't need validation. He's almost putting it out there just either to stir pip or to have some fun with everybody, or just to say, hey, I'm grinding on this thing. I'm putting the work in. And most of all, I know I'm on the Ryder Cup team. He's the locker room leader guy. We've established this. He's made it through to the buddies trip. He's made the cut personality-wise. All of that pressure being off of him, he certainly makes the cut. Does he win? I don't know. But I I think JT is going to be in the mix this week. I think he'll certainly beat Zach Johnson and Stuart Sink and his other vice captain, Webb Simpson. Although... You know, Webb at 80 to 1 on a par 4 golf course where you're going to need a lot of birdies on those two shotters. You know, if this was a place he was going to come back to, there could be a conversation about him. Now, looking a little bit further down the board, the guy I left off with just in the start of this conversation or this part of the board was Andrew Putnam. Now, there's a putter guy. 
All right. Pardon the pun with his last name and everything, but there's a putter guy. And when you start to look at the last 10 years of this event, guys are averaging like three and a half strokes gained against the field with their flat sticks. Not the most challenging greens in the world, but I've said this before. The less challenging the greens, the better putter you are, the easier it is for you to try to gain an edge on the field. So this is a serious part of the equation. When you start to think about if you got to get to 20 under par, so 17 under par, but what you know, it's 2023, it's the Fortinet. These guys are going to be making birdies. These guys haven't played in a couple weeks. They're going to play aggressive. They're going to be going after four par fives. You know, three of the toughest holes relative to par on the golf course are par threes. So you survive those par threes and everything else, they are going to be firing aggressively at flag sticks. And, you know, we all love to see that when it comes down to it. If you're a fan of golf and you're going to tune in a little bit this weekend, you know, maybe after the football and prime time, you get to see, see yourself a little bit of golf on the left coast. You know, I, you're going to see guys that have to make some putts. They're just going to play 72 holes. The winner's going to hit somewhere in the ballpark of 56 to 60 greens. He needs to create for himself 30 plus, 32 plus birdie chances. So for me, that's a putt with inside 25 feet. So he's got to do that. And then he's got to convert them. And it's the conversion part that I think a lot of times we forget about when we go to a tight golf course or we start throwing out approach buckets. Yes, we'll get to approach in a second. I mean, this is a wedge world out there at the North course at Silverado. So for me, I really have to start to start to look at some guys who have been in recent good form with their ball striking. And then at the end of the day, they can also convert 20. So 20 and 30. So you're going to have 30 chances. You got to make 20 of them because you're probably going to make a couple bogeys on a difficult, difficult golf course. Men, remember cut line was minus two. So for me, you know, I, I, I've got to look at a couple of putters and, and Putnam for me definitely pops up there. You know, the top five putters in this field, Justin Suh, Nick Hardy, Dylan Wu, Andrew Putnam, and Eric Cole, right? There's Eric, Eric Cole, man. Guy plays every event. He probably played like six weeks worth of mini tour events while, while you know, in the last two weeks off. The guy's unbelievable. But, you know, there's two names right there, Putnam and Wu, which are a little exciting to me. I'll get to Wu more in a minute because he's further down the odds board. But Andrew Putnam, he's been hitting the ball well, and he's a great putter. So if the ball striking's in place, and he's one of those guys that can get hot enough with the putter to make 20 of those birdie putts, um, for me, in that range, we start looking at this, this section of the odds board. You're talking about guys now, we're up in the 40s. So Andrew Putnam is plus 4,000. We've got him, Brendan Todd, Lucas Herbert, Akshay Batia, Davis Thompson, Nick Hardy. That, there's Nick Hardy, putter. Alex Noren, Garrick Higo, Shea Reavy, Doug Gim. You know, if you're running models yourself this week, Doug Gim's going to be all over the place. He's, you're going to see a ton of him because he was one of the best ball strikers to close out the, the regular season. And, you know, his putter failed him at Wyndham, but... Gim is definitely somebody on my list. I mean, he's number one in ball striking in the field. And if you look at that list right there, you got guys like Gim, Kevin Yu, Ryan Palmer, uh, Steven Yeager, Cam Davis. Oh, there's Cam Davis right there, plus 2,200. Uh, Steven Yeager, great fantasy play all year. Big shout out to him. Won my season-long fantasy league. Rick Gaiman ran it. Great guy. I love Rick. Great league. Um, nipped Jason Sobel in the finals. And one of the guys that was a stalwart for me all year was Steven Yeager. 
at plus 2,500 to win? Is that a comfortable zone for Steven Yeager? Um, where he's sitting on DraftKings near the top of the board? I don't know. Getting in the interview room? Not sure. Closed the year well? Was hot at the start of Wyndham? Not sure. I, I'm not. I'm not going there. Not sure what Travis's thoughts are there. Let's ask him. Travis, what do you think about Steven Yeager? Hmm, no opinion. So I guess we'll just move on. But in this range right here, of, of those guys in the 40s and 50s and maybe getting to 60 with Doug Gim, the, for me, Putnam at 4,000 makes a lot of sense. So he'll definitely be on my card. There's no doubt about that. Uh, man, you know, it's, it's one of those things over the last five years, the, the winner has gained an average of almost four strokes on the, with the flat stick. So, I mean, that's significant. It's it's not one of those things where and that stat is just kind of like um, exaggerated because one guy gained 10 and then the rest of them all gained one. Uh, you look at Homa, he gained four strokes. Homa back two years ago gained four strokes. Stuart Stink, four strokes. Two strokes by Champ, uh, three strokes by Tway. That's just the last five years. So I think that don't just walk away from the putting stats this week. Make sure you pay attention to them. Uh, I just... I say this all the time, but when it comes down to playing golf, the easier you make a certain part of the game, whether it be driving, approach play, or whatever it is, the better you are at that, the more you can distance yourself from the field. The greens aren't overly complicated there. They're very used to this POA bent blend, all of these guys. So at the end of the day, I think that you know you could differentiate yourself as a putter, um, there's no doubt Gim's going to differentiate himself as a ball striker. I need the putter to come back. I feel like the putter can pop. I think the, for Gim, the ball striking will still be there from, you know, roughly almost now two months ago. So he's definitely someone that I'm looking at as well in that range, Brendan Todd. So Keith, you said that you got to hit the fairway, Brendan Todd, good putter hits a lot of fairways sitting there at plus 4,000 40 to one. Well, it, you got to pick one or the other, probably. For me, Putnam is where my money's going. But Todd, the Todd father, he, you know, it, it's it's not a bad discussion point. There's no doubt about that. It, it, you know, when it comes down to it, and you know, we'll start to take a little bit of a deeper look here at a guy like where where would a guy like Brendan Todd fail me in all of this? Well, when it comes down to it, he's not the world's best wedge player, believe it or not. And when you get down to it, uh, almost 50% of the approach shots are going to come from 150 yards and in here at the North course at the Fortinet, you know, nine of the 10 par par fours are under 440. So for those guys, I mean, that's, that's an iron or a driver or a three wood or a fairway, fairway metal off the tee. And then they're looking at some flip wedge in, you've got four par four, uh, four par fives, that are basically all reachable. If not, they're near them. So another thing that I want to point out is that as you're doing your look through the field this week, don't fail to look at things like short game, the combination of putting, scrambling, around the green play. Um, all of those things are important too. And the reason I say that is that we're not always using our short game for just saving par. Sometimes we're using that short game in order to score. So on these short par fours, when the guys are just beating it down there and they're 40 yards from the hole, to me, in my mind, that's a scrambling mode. 
And I'm looking at those guys. But, you know, at the top of the board, when you consider both putting and all of those other skills in and around the green, you've got, well, Nick Hardy pops again. Oh, there's my man, Dylan Wu. How about fifth on that list? Andrew Putnam. See, now you start to see how, when I look at the golf course, what it takes in order to really like hone down your list. These guys are all great wedge players. They're all great with their scoring clubs inside 150. Yes, some are better than others, but they're all going to hit it inside 30 feet. You know, the guys that don't aren't the guys we're going to be talking about anyway, and they're not the guys you're going to hear about on social media, so they don't matter. But the names that keep popping up, how are you going to separate them? Well, we've already seen a couple times over names like Wu and Putnam and Cam Davis pop up, not just because... Maybe they can move it or they're great ball strikers, but also because they can score. So don't always think about, you know, when we're talking about short game, that it's all about just saving par. All right. Sometimes it's about scoring as well. You beat it down there twice on a 560 yard par five. That's what they're going to do. These guys are going to be pitching from somewhere around the green, maybe a bunker, and they need to pitch it inside five, six feet, make the putt to to ensure that, you know, we just think, oh, they're going to make a birdie. Three of the last seven holes on the golf course with the rerouting are par fives. Oh, well, there's three birdies down the stretch. Well, hey, first of all, there's a thing called pressure. But second of all, there's all this, you know, there's always this opportunity that if you're not strong with your short game and you didn't hit the green in two, or maybe you're not the world's, I mean, what if you want to sink an eagle putt? What if you're pitching those shots to 10 feet and you're a better putter and you make more of those 10 footers? So I, I just think, you know, expand your brain a little bit in this range here, the names that catch my eye, according to the skill set needed, Putnam at 40, I go down a little bit further, and Gim, there's going to be a lot of talk about Reavy. There's no doubt that. There's, there's going to be a lot of talk about my man, Shea Reve, right? But as we take a look at him, my man, Chez Reavy, right? Putter could be a little better. Par 5 scoring could be a little better. I mean, it's not bad. Let's look. Let's look back a little bit here. Let's take a look. Driver, driver, putter. Putter's not strong over his last four of his last five starts. He hasn't gained with his putter. And three of the last five, he's been negative with the driver. Easy right there. Easy right there. Now, could obviously... Ches Reeve is he's a super accomplished player. The guy can win. There's no doubt about that. But again, p- picking winners is like splitting hairs. So you've got to get to a point where you got to figure out how we start to eliminate some names. Let's go a little further down the board. Travis didn't want me to go too long today. And uh, um, since he's not here, um, I don't know that I'm overly concerned about that. But uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> Attention golfers, if you're looking to upgrade your game with a set of high-quality clubs that are blazing fast, beyond forgiving, and beautifully made, check out the all-new PXG Gen 6 Golf Clubs. Not only are they easy to hit, they deliver outstanding distance and incredible accuracy, lowering your scores and bringing you more fun on the golf course. What more could you want? Schedule your Gen 6 fitting today at pxg.com or by calling 844-PLAY-PXG. We're going to uh, we're going to jump back into this on this odds board, and 
a little further down here. All right, so we left off where? Doug Gim at 60. Ooh, Justin Suh at 60. You talk about a putter there. Sam Stevens at 60. Pendrith, 60. You know, I was looking at my list from last year. Pendrith was on there as an outright at 60. Coming off that President's uh, um, would have been just prior to the President's Cup. Bomber was in good form. Streelman. Streelman pops up on a couple of lists. When you start talking about approach and wedge play and California, Mr. Johnny O sponsored Kevin Streelman. Uh, he's one of those guys that can putt the Poana, and he hits his wedges close. He's he's top four in this field on approach. So you know, let's take a – he's right there next to Kuchar, Sam Ryder. Sam Ryder's a name. I know you, Ryder. Yeah. I'm going to look at Streelman first. Streelman, great par four scoring. The putter's not, not his friend. Wedge game's good. Approach game's good. Uh, T to green. Could be a good placement. 66 to one. Winner? I don't know. That, ta- that time may have passed him by. Just like for Kuchar right near him. But a guy like Kevin Streelman, over 72 holes, uh, his game fits. If he just puts basically average, um, definitely at an end. You know, at, at 66 to 1, you could probably find a nice placement number on him. But we're talking about winners, aren't we? All right, a little further down the board. A little further down the board. Uh, let's see. Taylor Montgomery, this is one of those places last year where he got a top 10 and he contended. Um, I don't think we've seen him since wine country. Maybe he still has a hangover. Red and white. I, I don't know. Uh, Peter Quest, Austin Eckrote, Christian Bezadenhut, Mark Hubbard. Hubbard, approach player extraordinaire. Let's look at this approach list. Chez Reeve, Sam Ryder, Mark Hubbard, Kevin Streelman, Doug Gim again. Doug Gim. 70 to 1. Man, oh my. I think, uh, I think we're building a card out here. Chesson Hadley jumps in here. Good putter. Good short game. Uh, can get a little loose with the driver. I don't know. I got to get past these guys. I, you know, for me, I get to 80 to one and I start thinking about Dylan Wu and what are one of like, what's a good comp course this week for the North course there at the civil Silverado resort and spa. Sounds nice to go there. Take the wife, a couple wine, a couple wine, accompanied dinners. You're at the resort. Don't have to leave the resort. Surprised more guys don't go. Only six guys from the FedEx cup playoffs. There's really well, I guess with the Ryder Cup. There's only one event. And of course now there's now the seven in this fall FedEx series. It's interesting how it's all gonna play out. If you're in the top fifty in points, I love my tangents. If you're in the top fifty in points, you can't change your standing from the previous year's FedEx Cup. So but if you were from seventy to fifty, or I mean or even above that, if you can get in the next ten, then you get in the first two signature events starting in January. It's a pretty big deal, right? Of course, they're looking for 55 guys to round out the top 125 to get their card. And the better you play all four in those seven events, the closer you get to the top, the better you are in the rotation um, when they start mixing things up. Dylan Wu at 80 to one pops with the putter, pops with the short game. Um, Rocket Mortgage. Remember Rocket Mortgage? He played well there. Takes, he makes a lot of birdies. We're going to need a lot of birdies this week. I mean, 20 birdies is a lot of birdies in four rounds. That's an average of, what, five around, and you're probably going to need more of that because there's going to be bogeys in order to get to 17, 18, 19 under. 
Uh, Dylan Wu can can make a serious amount of birdies. He's a, he's a Bob guy, Bob percentage guy for sure. And when I look at something like Rocket Mortgage, where it was about scoring, it was about aggressive play off the tee, it was about intricate green complexes with Donald Ross. Um, he did a good job of managing his game around there. And for me, you know, when you put him up against, let's say next to him, a Mark Hubbard, um, I think he just makes more birdies. So in that price range, Austin Eckroat, Zadenhut, Hubbard, Hadley, Wu, Yu. I mean, Yu's an incredible ball striker. We brought him up earlier. He's near the top of the field in ball striking, which is the combination of, of course, off the tee and approach. Um, solid guy there. But uh, does he have the well-rounded scoring ability? I mean, when you start to really look at who are our birdie guys, now I'm gonna now, now I gotta dive on the birdie guys. Oh man, number one in the field, Nick Hardy, Scott Piercy, Ryan Gerard, Max Homa, of course, Peter Quest, uh, Eric Cole, Justin Suh, Luke List. What is this? Cam Davis. I mean, you gotta look at these birdie guys. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna need 20 birdies in order to win. Um Wu's up there too. He was up there all last season. That's why we liked him at we liked him at the Rocket Mortgage. And a golf course like that is very similar. He's going to feel comfortable here. He's going to put the ball in play, and he's going to score a bunch. And he went above 80, 80. Webb Simpson jumps in there. Imagine if one of the vice captains beats JT this week. you got two of them, Webb Simpson, Stuart Sink, and then you've got Zach Attack. Simpson, 80. Sink, 125 to 1. Zach, 250 to 1. You know, Zach made the cut in all three majors he played this year. He's pretty good Ryder Cup captain. Further down the list here, Nate Lashley is going to pop a bunch for you. Ryan Palmer from a ball striking perspective. Now we're in the hundreds. Eric Van Royen. Interesting story here. Played two last two weeks on the DP World Tour. Played Czech. Played in Ireland. Played pretty good in both. He's one of the few guys that's been playing. So when you look further down the board at 110 to 1, uh, he's not good in America. But placement guy, read the line. Mark that down. Huh. Going further down this list, Charlie Hoffman, Matt Neesmith there, Stuart Sink, Smotherman, Ben Martin, Chad Ramey, Harry Hall. Man, this Scott Stallings, Tyler Duncan. Tyler Duncan's the type of guy who is a great driver of the golf ball, top 10 driver of the golf ball on the PGA Tour, long, straight, accurate, aggressive, uh, if he gets anything going, he will definitely pop on that on that scoreboard. Carson Young, the other Young, both Youngs are home. Not to be confused with anyone going to Rome. Uh, Troy Merritt, Aaron Badley, Kevin Kevin Tway won a couple years ago. Man, Jimmy Walker, Jimmy Sky, Joel Damon, two fifty to one. Joel Damon, man. Piercy makes a ton of birdies. Golly, there's Zach Johnson down there. This list is too long. And I don't want to make this podcast too long. Unbelievable. Uh, Travis and I will be back in two weeks to go over the Ryder Cup. That's my leans. Those are my skills. There's nothing better than being on a stripe show. Davis, Putnam, Gim. Probably going to sprinkle in. uh, Yeah. Maybe even a little Dylan Wu. We only get one PGA Tour event, folks. 
in September. Ladies are off this week. My full attention is over in Napa. And uh, I like this golf course, and I like the way they move things around. I think it's going to be a fun event this week. I like that happens in the coverages in the evening. Watch a little football during the day. Rest and relax at night. Weather's going to be good. Weather weather won't be. will just be a subplot. Hmm. Well, I wish best of travels to my man. Of course, Travis Fulton. Thanks to all of you for watching for a couple of minutes. I'm Keith Stewart from Read the Line. I'll see you in a couple weeks when we're talking to Ryder Cup in Rome.